Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on a comedian, a writer, and producer, Joshua Walters. Joshua, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How's everything going for you? Things uh, things are good today. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good day to be here and be tuning in and you know get some time with you. So yeah, it's good. Hell yeah. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, man. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So I start off with this with everybody. What does mental health mean to you, sir? Uh, mental health is the uh, the inside uh, environment of your balance and your moods. Uh, could be your thoughts or your feelings, but all the things that you cannot see about someone's health. Perfect. I like that. Short and sweet. Everyone has a different answer, but it's all the correct answer if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship with mental health? Uh, my relationship is that uh, I have a mental health diagnosis that has given me a opening to explore and uncover certain sides of myself. Also see the creative landscape pretty differently. And also experience um, some pretty intense moods starting as a teenager and moving on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. Yeah. So you say you're bipolar. How would you explain that to someone? Because I'm bipolar two, you're bipolar one. Uh, so we make a bipolar three. How would you explain that to someone that doesn't know what bipolar is? Yeah, I, I would say that it's uh, the intensities of the highs and lows can be overwhelming and uh, crippling to your um, functionality. That's how I kind of look at it is, is you know, every, everyone goes through highs and lows and everyone feels intense things throughout their life. But when those feelings are overtaking your ability to function in society as a functional human being, then uh, may need to seek some help. So, yeah. Yeah. So with being bipolar, I feel like it's always good for me to like meet someone else with bipolar because it's like an exclusive club of just crazies. And do you ever have like instances where like we're good people because on one side, our mood is like pretty good. But have you ever gotten like nasty with somebody? Because I've gotten nasty with people before and I try not to. And then I get through like this whole regret. Do you ever go through that? Or am I just the only one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can lose friends. You can uh, you de I've definitely lost business you know i've lost uh burned some bridges and um yeah i i've lost opportunities the openings where you know people give you a little leeway if they don't know you but it's you know most of my friends have all come back but you know like in the business world like if you have like if there's a theater or there's an organization and you cross them once usually you you don't have another you don't have a second op you don't have a second opportunity to kind of like build that back they're just like okay that guy is not for us so the, those things cannot be repaired 
you know? Yeah, we like we we have very knee jerk reactions at times where we don't think ahead of time. It's very tough. Does that happen to you as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm more calculated these days, but uh, good. It has happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it hard coming out being bipolar? Because for me, it was it was a little difficult when you get the diagnosis because you're like, because I explain it like this, and I hate using it as a crutch. You might be the same way, but like. I'll explain it like I'm a toddler in like a, a man's body. Like I feel like I have like these little temper tantrums. And then sometimes I get like, like, I'm like, oh, everything's fine. I'm going to, I'm cured. I'm going to do that. Was it hard coming out with uh, being bipolar to people? Uh, I, I think in the beginning, I didn't really know what it was. So I was just kind of telling people what I was going through. And then, you know, as I meet people later in my life and they don't know that history, um, you know, they'll say, oh, do you want to drink with me or smoke with me? Or uh, they'll, it, 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 it usually comes up within the first two or three times of meeting. And then, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty abrasive with like, no, you don't want to see that side or, you know, you don't know what it's like to be on the other side of that. So uh, people who don't know the language around mania and when you say manic episode to people that are not versed in that language that doesn't mean anything that doesn't they don't know what that is so yeah i mean you start to say other qualifying words that they might understand but um yeah I, for people that have not experienced like a 10 or 20 year relationship with me if they're coming in at the three or five year mark they don't know <laughs> They don't know yeah. how it gets, you know. Yeah, and the the friends that stick with you are, are, are the real ones. Some of them, it's tough, but it, it's it takes two two sides of it. And, I, and I'm I'm fortunate for my group of friends that have stuck with me all these years in my pain in the ass isms. <laughs> yeah, and friends might need to take a little break. I, I had some friends that did that. They're like, I just need to take some uh, a step back. But they, you know, the real friends they come back, and so you you see how people who are associates, maybe they're in your field, your area or your, your uh, career path. And, you know, people who you are on the periphery, like I said, with the business connections, like they're not going to come back. You yeah. know, they don't, they don't know you well enough to have that track record. So how much of a relief is it when you like get to say that to somebody like, Oh, I, by the way, I, I deal with bipolar. Like, does that feel good? Or is it like, you still get a little bit nervous? You know, to be honest, Tim, I stopped saying it years ago. Uh, uh, I was in a hospital and they diagnosed me with schizophrenia and schizoaffective. And I had been like on the bipolar superhero train for over 10 years, 10 to 15 years, saying it, identifying, and then they switched my label up. And then uh, after that, I was like, well, I, I was my, my biggest question to the doctor's was like, well, what's the difference in these diagnoses or what is the criteria in, in receiving these labels? Because, I mean, for me, schizophrenia is a much harsher label than bipolar. Bipolar mm -hmm. is kind of like, it's, it's more middle ground. But um, things get lumped in together. And so I had a lot of questions of what was the difference? or And, and it was like five years ago where I stopped kind of identifying at all with the diagnostic labels. And uh so when I meet someone new, uh, I usually I, I usually tell them I have a history of mental health experience, which is kind of like a blanket term that can also mean anything. But uh, you know, sometimes we'll talk about meds or that I need to sleep at a certain time or whatever whatever cautions I take precautions. Uh, 
but I, I actually don't use the label like I did. That's good. That's I like that answer a lot. Um, yeah. You said everyone is a little bit mad. How much depends where you fall on the spectrum? How much depends on how lucky you are? How lucky are you, sir? I say on a given day, I'm pretty lucky. Uh, there's been times in the last 10 years where people who witnessed where I was and what I was doing might have took pity or, you know, was like, oh, that's not someone I want to be around. Um, so, you know, being in my home area, I'm constantly reminded of these memories like I am in a museum of my own life. And I don't know if that happens to anyone else out there that um, has a rich history of where they currently are. But I have a lot of memories from just like walking to work at this office, you know, um, where I I am that other other times, other less fortunate and uh, more harrowing years um, gave me experiences in those same corners. So, yeah, I mean, d depending on the year, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some pros of being bipolar, if there are any? You know, I always champion the creative element of being on the bipolar mania or mad one spectrum for me uh i stopped using the diagnostic label but i use mad one a lot as my own fixture of kind of uh what i'm after mad one mad being music art dance or make a difference or the creative element in the especially the hypomanic edge that is the video that most people uh, found me uh, found find me as on on ted and that mm -hmm. You know that's still what I'm. That's still the work in my world. The creative meets the mania, and where's the right balance between that? And so, the creative uh, side, whether that's writing or music or whatever your passion is, um, that can be a huge uh, service to the world and to yourself as well. How would you explain mania? I know we've been talking about it, but for someone out there that doesn't really understand it between mania and hypomania, I know mania is mostly with people with bipolar one and hypomania is with bipolar two, but how would you explain mania? Yeah. Well, in recent meetings, you know, first meetings, whether it's a date or business or whatever, um, I, I, uh, I often don't use the diagnostic labels, but I will, I will say the word hallucinations or, uh, paranoia or things like that. Uh, but everyone understands what a hallucination hallucination is. You're dreaming as your eyes are wide open and you your reality is different than those around you. And um, you know, that's that's a lot of where I start the the conversation, you know, not to go into any past violent or criminal behavior of my own, but just to say that hallucinations will take over my day and will take over my uh you know behavior in a way that is um not rational so i kind of started with that and that uh if there is a tipping point or there's an early warning sign certain behaviors and certain actions need to be corrected to prevent it from going off the deep end right yeah i've been there i've been there my friend uh we just talked about your ted talk real quick uh you tell a story about a manic episode at 16 you you were jesus christ can you elaborate yeah. on that yeah, you know, it, it was a pretty basic, uh, you know, love story of being a teenager and falling in love. And, um, 
you know, having these emotions rush through my body and uh, having love be a spiritual awakening in finding God with my love. And, you know, um, a lot of people go through this, but not everyone's first love is a spiritual experience. You know, for me, it was, it was a religious awakening. It was uh, coming to terms with the cosmos being opened, uh, this door inside of me and, and finding the divine in someone else. You know, um, I think, uh, love can be a opening to many things you know it's a the most powerful force uh in the universe um but uh you know people experience things all different sides sides of it in whatever they are uh whatever they're going through and in the ted talk you had a fanny pack on i love fanny packs but the you had it on and then you yep. took it off and then you put it back on. What was that about? Yeah, that was my little bookends. Um, <laughs> at that time, uh, I was using the fanny pack quite a lot in my performances, my one man shows. And that was a little bit of um, showing you that I am a performer and this is an, I'm, I'm acting for you that I'm performing for you and taking the fanny pack off was removing that veil, removing that mask while showing my face the whole time, but removing that mask of performance. It was a glittery fanny pack, a shiny gold fanny pack. I'm going to remove that 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 veil and tell you who I actually am and what's going on. And then at the end, I'm going to put it back on and keep this show going, keep the like, laughs coming. I like that a lot. It's like almost like taking the gloves off. Like, you ready for this? Because it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was using the fanny pack quite a bit quite a bit at that time it's still, still it still comes back sometimes but yeah fanny packs are legit i'm a huge fan of that but that was the first thing that popped out to me when i was watching that i was like oh this guy's legit before you even started talking because i had the fanny pack oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he had a legitimate fanny pack it must be legit yeah um <laughs> and you use this term mental skillness what is that i just coined that that was a poem i wrote maybe a year or two before i did that talk and uh uh the skills of being mentally ill, just a little wordplay around the benefit and the creative side of mental illness, calling it mental skillness. You know, people jumped on that. There was a lot of buzz around that. Even I had agents that wanted to sell like packages of talks and books around the term mental skillness. Other people ran with it. I said, Hey, you can't run with that. That's me. So there was a, there was a lot it, people ran with that. I, I, that wasn't even, that was a side for when I was doing that. That was like a, a, an aside, you know, I was just, here's some poetic language. Here's a little schizo, like create, you know, blending some words together. I didn't really think about it and people really took to it. So uh, mental skillness. Yeah, that was, that was me. That was me. That was something I came up with. What got you into comedy and the entertainment business? You know, I started as a theater kid at 10 years old. I, um, was in plays, uh, and I was an actor. And as I grew up, I wanted to write my own lines. And a comedian is just a writer who performs what they write, uh, us, along with a poet or a storyteller or a solo performer. And I've done all those fields, um, including being musical, writing my own lyrics in hip hop and also different styles of music. So, you know, the, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And uh, I'm always down to cover a song or cover someone else's piece, but um, there's nothing as therapeutic as delivering something from you. So do you have a deal with imposter syndrome? 
Um, yeah, I mean, not really, but uh, sometimes uh, it, it's more like I've been here long enough to kind of remember how it was syndrome yeah. or uh, remember my climb and my cooling off and my getting back into the middle zone, watching the waves of my career. Um, there was someone who linked up with me this year for some big opportunities and they wanted to know if I was in high demand and I was getting those opportunities. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you're here. I mean, you know, like there's some interviews, you know, yeah. there's some trickle, trickle down from that one video. Uh, but, uh, you know, you climb, you, you cool off, you come back, everyone has waves in their career and, you know, it, everything's relative to what you've, what you've, uh, done in the past too. So I feel like a lot of comedians like suffer in the dark and they use humor as like a, as a coping mechanism. Uh, why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, I mean, th those experiences of pain and suffering can be, can be tragically beautiful. They can be moments of, uh, self-realization exploring those stories, for me, I find beauty in the mundane, beauty in the surreal, and making surreal observations of the everyday. And um, then I am remembered at certain corners of the street, walking down downtown, that, oh, I uh, used to have a hard time right there. And so there are more mo moments to be uncovered in uh, location-based narratives. Those are my, that's kind of my new uh, frame of what I'm doing. Do you ever offend people when you kind of do jokes around mental health? Do you ever run into that? Uh, I offend people when I don't use mental health narratives mostly. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of specialize in keeping it pretty clean, uh, doing conferences, doing all ages shows. I have a very uncensored and offensive kind of way about myself that I am only with myself in the car, in the shower. And so when I get around other people or I'm going to present, I tend to take the 10 or 20% of that filter and give you something that is more of a presentation. And I think we all do that naturally. Uh, no one is their uncensored self in public unless you are going through some serious mental skillness, you know? So, um, that mask is that mask is there for a reason. Uh, and as you take it off and put it back on or experiment experiment with the breaking of the mask, the social mask, um, you get all sorts of reactions from that. So it's it's probably an obvious answer, but why did you become a mental health advocate? Is it because of the bipolar and the schizo? Yeah, I, I mean, it's really my own experience. Um, that was the community that I wanted to help the most. That was the community that I could be a champion of my own story with. Um, you know, I told this last week uh, to someone I work with, but uh, I was at a conference and I was doing kind of my my full show of all my stories around mental health, all the moments of humor. And a woman came up that was a mother and father. And she's like, yeah, you, you remind me of my son who took his own life and, you know, uh, at that moment, I realized I was doing something bigger than myself. This this story, what I am conveying, like it, it 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 like really hit me when she said that, and also that I was I moved her to remind her of her family like that, and I was someone that was an inspiration 
uh, for those who had passed on. So that's that's a part of that's a part of doing the work. Um, but uh, you don't always think of it that way. Right. That's very special though to have somebody come up to you and say that. It must have must have felt pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It made me realize I was doing something big outside of myself, bigger than myself. What can we do to help destigmatize mental health being so taboo? Is it things like doing stand-up comedy? What, what is it? Yeah, telling your own story, number one. Uh, number two, um, giving the empathy to those in situations where you might not have been there in the past. You know, I know a lot of artists, but they're not all of the people that identify with being on the spectrum. Uh, my work here is to kind of bri- bridge the arts and mental health together, but not every artist, you know, uh, identifies with the artistic temperament, as it's been called, or uh, not every person um, that's going through something knows that there's a creative lens and a creative outlet that they can use to champion those um, feelings and emotions. Do you think it's important that we focus on men's mental health as well? And why do you think it's tough for men to be so open about their mental health? Yeah, well, well I think just a stereotype, men are uh, uh, most, uh, more emotionally closed that women, they're not going to talk about their feelings as much. I'm also a group leader in a men's circle, and it is very open. There are tears, there are hugs, and there's like deep uh, intimacy uh, of what men are going through. But, you know, without that, without a container like that, um, men are more uh, uh, apt to not talk about it and just kind of keep going. But um yeah, you know, we're at this age now where therapy is kind of normalized. You know, most people are open about sharing that they have a therapist, that they talk to someone, or maybe they have a coach that can motivate them towards the future of their goals instead of looking at the past, whatever it is. I, I think that talking to someone once a week is kind of an essential part of anything, whether it's a career or uh, your own personal growth. Uh, but, uh, you know, during the lonely times of the pandemic, I was talking to someone every day. I had someone to call every day and I keep them on rotation as my supporters, my support people that I was also supporting as a coach and advocate, uh, kind of co-counseling, co-coaching. So, yeah. People forget about that. Having a support system is huge. It's tough to reach out to people, but you have to, like, you can't do things by yourself. And you can probably agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a one man band for most of the day until I need to call someone or advocate or um, you know ask for some advice. Uh, ment- I have a, a list of mentors that I reach out. I am a mentor towards others, building their artistic practice, you know, as a coach, but also as a friend. And so that that's a big part of uh, serving others, being of service. What does self care look like to you? And what are some suggestions you would get give to people to help better themselves? Yeah, I, I'm a creature of habit. I like having a routine. Uh, I do certain exercises in the morning. I drink the same lemon water warm every morning. I, I do things very dialed in that I've perfected over the years and that have come recommended. But uh, I also like uh, changing that routine, being in a different environment, getting out of town, experiencing a new place that I can work from or visit or travel uh, being with new and interesting people. And, uh, you know, recently I had a hard time just this week. It was just, um, two days ago and, uh, I didn't want to do anything. Uh, I was, I was already here. I was already downtown and I kind of just was feeling a deep sense of low energy. And I had a social 
thing that I uh, was invited to, but I I almost didn't make it. And then I I pushed myself to be there. And once I was in the room with other people, could chat with people and eat something. Yeah, I mean, I find that socializing, uh, being social is a good like lift out of myself, my own my own things that I go through. So it's so tough to like pull yourself together to go do that because there's so many times I don't want to go somewhere just because I don't want to be the wet blanket of the uh, the party or something. But that's that's tough. That's tough to do. Yeah, yeah, and and, and ch- I, I find because I do have a special coach that I talk with. Sometimes chatting about not as not what is going on, but chatting about anything, hearing another voice. I listen to a lot of radio as a radio producer, a radio guy, but hearing another voice is so uh, settling. It settles you. Uh, hearing a live person on the phone for me, I'm a very I'm an auditorial learner. Talking with someone is very essential to. Me, uh, me, keep going up, not, not isolating, and so uh, it, it's very simple things that we all know. But uh, yeah, hearing another voice, connecting with another voice, um, even if it's not talking about what you're going through, could be talking about something trivial. Uh, it it pulls you out of yourself. With who you are now, what would you tell your younger sixteen year old self today? Yeah, I might tell him there's a a long road ahead and there is several opportunities to uh, reach for. And I would also say that there's dips and valleys along with the peaks and mountains. And uh, to just uh, hold on, but also to maintain yourself, your body, your mind. Think about the future. Think about your instrument of your body think about how you want to spend your time and that your time is valuable uh maybe as a young person you don't have a lot of money but you have a lot of time you're rich in time your resources your time and where do you spend your time those first jobs those first volunteer things do what you really want to do do what you're really interested in experiment try things but also like know that those early years are foundational and uh, where you spend your time is kind of your background and your history. Before we finish up and have a little bit of fun, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, I started a new company in the last two years. It's called Mad One Media, and that's at madone.me, M-A-D-O-N-E dot me. You can also Google Mad One Media. It pops up there. And that is my platform to engage with audio, with coaching. Anyone who wants to reach out, you can find my portfolio and reach out to me. Uh, Email is the best if you find it that far. And so uh, look me up that way. Uh, Joshua Walters. Yeah, also. No social media? Uh, I'm a a social media person. I have the placeholders of all those accounts, but... Uh, I kind of uh, direct people to email, phone, uh, 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 and uh, and uh, websites. Uh, but the social media for me is making a comeback. If you want to be a social media person for me, contact <laughs> me because I need that. I might so, be able to do that for you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is a little tra- a little tit for tat. You know, I need I need some I need some collaborations. I need some I- collaborations. I got you. I'm on my phone way too much anyway. So I yeah, yeah. I that. That also we're talking about mental health. That is that is a that is a 
like that's how I disconnect. It's like yeah. I don't participate in that. I don't get into that or I, I engage. I have all the things, you yeah. know, whatever they are. And I check in, you know, if someone gets at me, I check in. But yeah, I'm not a uh, someone that is uh, building all the things, which, you you know, you need to be if you're creating your own business. So yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. You, yeah. We can work together after this. This is the this is this is an interview for the job. You're you're <laughs> yeah. interviewing. I'm interviewing you for the job. Actually. Yeah, definitely That's take a look at is. my look at my social media and see if it, it's up to par. That's what this is. It's an yeah. interview. <laughs> what are some words of wisdom that you would give somebody out there that's going through it right now? Yeah, I would say that the most basic advice uh, was written down. I saw it in a piece of paper at uh, one of the places I was staying, one of the hospitals, uh, treatment centers, and it just basically said, no feeling is final. I think it's a Rilke, Rilke German poet quote, no feeling is final. And you can translate that to anything. Um, another uh, uh, Hebrew saying is, uh, you know, this too shall pass, gom say avor, you know, like whatever it is, the good times, the bad times, it will change, you know. And um, so if it's the bliss of championship memories, you know, enjoy that and really relish in that because that will change. But also those deep lows, even though they might get worse, uh, they will change for some some way. They will change in some way. Great words from a great man, man. I'm so happy that you came on to this. You're such a great person. You're doing such great things. And again, I can't thank you enough for you coming on today. Thank you for having me, Tim. It's been a pleasure. So let's let's finish with this. I like to ask some good questions to people. So you're, oh, you're yeah. a comic. Who is on yeah. your personal Mount Rushmore for comics? It doesn't have to be the best. It can be contentious, but I want to hear what it is. Yeah, um, you know, I go with the standard, typical, you know, big names that everyone names the Perfect. the uh, the Chappelles, the Chris Rocks, the Richard Pryors, uh, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, and then personal inspiration from uh, Steve Martin, Andy Kaufman, all the guys from that kind of legacy of that '70s, what it was around here. The big guy was uh, Robin Williams, who's the only person that I was personally uh, um, uh, attributed to, or, or uh, you know, uh, compared to coming up because of because of the regionality of it. But um, yeah, I think anyone who speaks the truth uh, openly and honestly, uh, at some point, it's going to be funny. So you know, most comedians give you that fifteen second. 30 second, they need to laugh, but any story taking a long time, you're going to get to some embarrassing things. You're going to get to some humorous moments. So, um, yeah. Right. Do you think Andy Kaufman's still alive? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know. What, what's his, uh, what's his alter ego again? What I don't know it? that much. I don't know. You, you tell me what, oh, what is what? it? It's he has like this alter ego. I forget his name. I can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But Andy Kaufman's great. I uh, my buddy tells me all these stories from like books he read and stuff. But yeah, he's 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 one of the best. Um, you're also a hip hop fan. Let's go with that. What's uh, what's your Mount Rushmore of hip hop? Yeah, Mount Rushmore, Black Thought, Most Def, KRS One, Rakim, uh, Del okay. the Funky Homo Sapien. That's yeah, my local so you Oakland. Know, you know your stuff. Little, I know my stuff. Too short. Oh, old. Uh, yeah. Well. 
you know, being living in Oakland, you can't get around too short. Wherever you go in Oakland, they're playing too short. So even if you are not into that level of misogyny, they uh, they did name a street in Oakland, in East Oakland, after too short recently in the last couple of months. So really, that's very sh- interesting. You you can cruise too short way when you come to the town if you want to. If you really want to, you can sell your tapes right on Foothill and get your too short way experience. You know, just like Mister Short did. That is very so, funny. And I'm actually yeah. seeing, I'm seeing Talib Kweli coming up. He must be on your list too. With if he's like most deaf and, and uh, I do guy. like Talib. I do like Talib. Uh, yeah. I have a separate list uh, for producers because I am an audiophile. Uh, instrumental hip hop is my favorite genre of, of, you know, sampling and everything like yeah. Mad Lib, Dilla, of course, Dre, Timberland, Dan, the automator. That's my local representative. Uh, and then all the guys that came out of Hyro, like A Plus, Pep Love, and all the guys that produced those really, you know, those those beats that get you going. Uh, Prince Paul. You what know. about what about the beats from the Beastie Boys? I feel like they sample everybody. Yeah, well, Paul's Revere, uh, nineteen eighty nine, was the most has the most samples in it of any album I think in the history. I think there was like four hundred and twenty five hundred. 12 samples says my hip hop uncle mentor we go into that we go into this but th- there there's more samples in that than anything but uh yeah I, I, the sound rich they were they were the uh the sound rich you know speaking boys. of music what would your yep. personal theme song be think of like a ufc fighter a baseball player like you're coming out joshua walter's name gets hit what songs being played yeah the kings uh i sent it to you uh the the kings not it wasn't it was a the king's anthem what what was it i i had to look it up you remember oh you tell me now you tell me i did look it up i listened to it i just copied and pasted in there um, oh, I, can't, I can't believe i oh, have no, to go to the is. phone got, for this it's no, uh, Antico, the king's affirmation the king's affirmation you know it's one of those tracks that yeah it came it came on the king's affirmation yeah yeah so the king's affirmation it's pretty good i like it it's pretty it's pretty chill in a way as well yeah it's, i like chill music i like i like you know kind of what is that the east coast lampin if i'm lampin you know i like to lamp yeah lampin but i i i uh I, yeah i like chill i like chill but it's it is anthemic the king's affirmation um i want to say the name i want to say the name of the the name of the artist too um inico or inico yeah yeah inico inico yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Didn't do my homework. I have to look to the phone for that one. But it's not it's that one track is like, yeah, it's 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 like a motivator, you know. Hit you in the feels, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of I got a lot of tracks like that. I listen to a lot of radio, get a lot of songs, local radio. So there's a lot of DJs I listen to that uh that da- gave me the download. The unsung heroes of music, the the DJs. Well, the DJs are the original uh, tastemakers. They're the people that break those artists. And you know, originally on those big stations, they were the ones to introduce those the masses to a certain artist. You know, so they're they're the ones that expose you. The radio DJ is the one that exposes you to something you've never heard before. And uh, now it's the algorithm. I still go back to the old radio. We have some great radio stations here that specialize in underground music and also. Um, very uh eccentric uh uh very uh, eclectic tastes in all sorts of genres so always exploring new genres fantastic 
Let's end with this. What are three things that you're grateful for today? Uh, today, I wrote them down. Um, I am grateful uh, to be doing a group today uh, in San Francisco for artists who want to champion their arts with the mental health, calling it artist state of mind. And I'm grateful that I have some confirms that people are showing up to that. So that's I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I am celebrating my home area and that I know that there are other areas in the world that I can be at with uh, digital nomading and getting out there and being in other places. I don't have to be here if I don't want to. I can be somewhere else. And Tim, I'm just grateful that you have me on and that I have this interview to talk with you and uh, be a part of your show today. So that's that's what I'm grateful for. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you. That's been another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. I will see you guys soon. podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.